The question of the day is, can two Geminis get along on one podcast? Well, you're about to find out. Spoiler alert, of course they can. Don't be ridiculous. They get along quite swimmingly. In fact, as Geminis do. I'm Alex Green, and this, by the way, I'm sure you've put it together, I'm one of the Geminis. Who's the other one? Well, you're about to find out. Where was I? This is that where I was? It's Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. So opportunity knocked on my door. I chose to let it in. I picked my backbone off the floor. Cause I had to fight to win. Now this movie can begin You say I'm down to earth from what you see You say I'm normal, but what does that From the new album, Face to Face, that is the music of K.T. Tunstall and my guest today on the program, Susie Quattro. Let me tell you a little bit about Susie Quattro. Although she got her start behind the drum kit playing for her dad's band, the Detroit-born Susie Quattro taught herself how to play bass so she could be in her sister's band, The Pleasure Seekers. She moved to England at 21 and released a string of rather massive albums like her 1973 self-titled debut and the searing pop of Your Mama Won't Like Me in 1975. A pioneering and commanding presence in the pop world, Quattro influenced everyone from Joan Jett to Chrissy Hind. A global superstar with over 50 million albums sold, Quattro's CV is a wealth of riches. So for the sake of time, here's just a few of the highlights. She toured with Slade and Thin Lizzy, headlined the Girls' Night Out at the Isle of Wight Festival, won a handful of Bravo Auto Awards, appeared on Happy Days as rocker Leather Tuscadero. She was awarded the Icon Award by the Women's International Music Network. She was inducted into the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame. She received an honorary doctorate in music from Angela Ruskin University, appeared as Annie Oakley in a London production of Andy Get Your Gun, and friends, I could go on and on and on. The fact is, the singer-songwriter Susie Quattro is a stone-cold legend, and her music is filled with melodic muscle and harmonic smarts. Her new album is a joint effort with the Scottish singer-songwriter K.T. Tunstall, and it's an instant classic. Titled Face to Face, it's a stirring song cycle that's reflective, confessional, tough and tender, and catchy as hell. An end-to-end delight, Face to Face, is a perfect album. You're going to love it. And you're going to love Susie. So let's get to it. Here's me and Susie Quattro having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast.
this thing that I've done for, for quite a few years now called Cushion Day. It's become part of the English language. And all my people have said to me that the weather report should just simply say it's either a cushion day or it's not a cushion day. Put all my cushions out this morning. It's a huge patio. Big job. Fell asleep on one, fell asleep on another, woke up at the rain. So it wasn't a cushion day. The cushion day was washed out. <laughs> I'm in California, so rain sounds very exotic. <laughs> we don't get a ton of that. Uh, I'm just outside of Berkeley. Um, and uh, we don't get a ton of rain, unfortunately. So, um, but it looks beautiful now. It looks like you're having a great, a great end of the day. Yeah, that's what it is now. It's now clearing up a bit. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in California. I had a couple of houses there and yeah, spent a lot of time there. I like California. Yeah, California is great. Were you, did Northern California pique your interest or were you mostly in Southern California? I was in LA. Um, I was there for maybe three or four years when I was doing happy days and recording and we rented a house, but I've, I've traveled all through California. I have relatives there. One of my dad's sisters lived there. So always went there from, from a child. We always went from Detroit to, to California. She lived in, uh, his sister lived in La, La, La Cañada. What is it like for you? Do you take the weekends to not work, not work on music or weekends? Or or do you think like that? Do you still think in terms of, or does the muse hits you when it hits you? I'm not a relaxing type of natured person. Um, I'm not hyper, but I'm pretty close to it. And I'm not really happy unless I'm doing something. So I've got to create, entertain, or communicate. That's that's the nature of the beast. That's who I am. Uh, if I am if I am going to be tired, I'll just be very tired, and I, I'm like either blah or out. Like this morning, put all the cushions out. Da 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 da. Sat down to read my paper, and I went out like a light. So there's nothing in between with me. <laughs> I'm either awake or asleep. <laughs> Have you always been like that? Yeah, huh. I'm, I'm a typical Gemini. I'm a Gemini as well. I think we were born three days apart. So there's no there's no coasting with the Gemini. We can't coast. And in fact, good that you said that. Um, I wondered a long time why everybody could coast. And I couldn't figure out why, why can't I coast? And then my dad bought me a very big book on astrology. I was about 10, 10 or 11. And I read Gemini and I went, oh, so it was just me. We're, you know, people call us difficult. We're not difficult. We're complicated. There's a very big difference in those two words. We can be complicated. But, you know, I have never been able to coast either. And now I'm, this is like revelatory for me at, at 53 years old. I'm finally realizing what this is because I have never been able to coast. No, I, can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, we probably have a lot in common, both Gemini's. Um, I have never learned the art of bullshit. I don't know how to do it. Um, I'm always brutally honest. If you ask me something, I will tell you what I think. Um, very sensitive. Yeah. But I'd rather I'd rather walk into the fire and be hurt with the truth than lied to. I can't stand a lie. You're the same. Okay. It's it's oh, yeah. I just I just I what's the point? What yeah. what is the 
what what is the point of lying? And what is the point of going? I'm just trying to find my way out of the sun. Here we go. I'm just trying to um what's the point if you're talking to somebody of going left to avoid where you need to be? I, I don't I don't get that. What a waste of time. If you've got something to say, say it. I'm not very diplomatic, but I'm not I'm not cruel either. I just can't sidestep an issue. The problem is that people think that when you are like that, very honest and very forthcoming with your opinions, that they forget you're also sensitive. They don't, they don't, they're surprised by your sensitivity. Oh, I'm ridiculously sensitive. It's stupid. Yeah, stupid. I I I really hurt easy, but and even my my father one time, he was here, Piscean. I married a man born on the same day. How Freudian is that? Um, but he was, I know, he was sitting in the kitchen one day here in England and he said something. And I said, Dad, you know, that hurt my feelings. And he said, Susie, you have to toughen up. And I said, how? And that was the end of the conversation. Because you can't. And if I was to put up this wall and barriers, I would not be the artist I am. And I actually would rather be hurt than to change my sensitivity. I don't want to get rid of that. I don't. And I can't anyway. But I mean, I suppose you could bullshit your way through it. But like I said, I can't do it. So do you find yourself surprised by the things that that are that make you feel that you're sensitive to? I'm very open about it. My my, my good friend KT, she always says to me, you just, you know, you got your heart on your sleeve. I do. I'm just very open to it. Um, no, I've accepted a long time ago that I am extremely sensitive. In fact, I used to, when I was a little girl and I wanted to cry about something, I would go into my room and cry in private. And then after I had my first child, everything just broke like a dam. And I started to cry quite openly. And my sisters used to say to me when I was younger, don't you ever cry? Doesn't everything bother you? And they didn't know. And then when I started to open up and cry all the time, my little sister said to me, Susie, we get it. You can see you can stop crying. Now. So I had hidden it. I had hidden it because I was so sensitive. But now I don't hide it at all. I feel how I feel. And if you don't like it, go someplace else. I would think sensitivity is really great for an artist because you feel so much that you're in tune with what you're feeling. Yes, it is. It, it is the price of being an artiste. It is. Um, my God almighty. I cried over Bambi. I cry over, um, I know I cry over uh, the national anthem sung at a big game. That makes me cry. The, the, the beauty of the people coming together as a unit and singing something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all my all my songs and everything are born out of this feeling that I have. I am very sensitive that I can't do anything about it. And I stopped trying to do anything about it a long time ago. It feels good to know that it's also a Gemini thing because like I'm born June 6th and you're the third, right? Yep. Yeah. So the fact that it's a Gemini thing is kind of a, of a tremendous comfort. Yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, um, I'll give you a little bit of advice. Um, we we can be, we can be draining. 
because Geminis tend to store their energy. They store it, they store it, and they go, Bruh! and it comes out like in a, like, it's it's like a tornado. And people go, what, you know? And um, and then, and, and it's, tell me if this is true about you. If I'm shouting at somebody, it's no big deal. If I'm quiet, then you've really, really wounded me beyond, almost beyond repair. I'm like that little barking dog at your ankle. So big deal, you know, push me away. But when I'm quiet, then you're in trouble. Yeah, you nailed it. A hundred percent true. Absolutely. I don't have to tell you anything. <laughs> yeah, I we can be. We can be. I feel like I should tell you this. Um, we can be seemingly cold when people are weak. Let's say somebody's got an illness or that this, we can seem to be cold about it. It's because we don't like to see that. So we have to find compassion sometimes with that. I, I know this about myself. I don't, I don't want a weak person around me. Mm. I don't want. And so, so we have to be careful that, that we don't let the coldness come out because Geminis can appear. They aren't. They can appear to be cold sometimes. Is, that because, is it because we don't want to be reminded of human frailty? Maybe. It's just too close for comfort. It's too close for comfort and we don't yeah. like it. So anyway, I, I've seen myself do this and I try not to do it. But basically we are, my husband says it to me all the time. At the bottom of my heart, I'm a very, very good person. Good person is how he puts it. I'm very loyal. Uh, he even said to me one time, oh, your ex must have been very bad to you. And I said, why are you saying that? He said, because you're very hard to get rid of. <laughs> so... <laughs> He meant it as a compliment, but he's German, so he kind of says it backwards. But no, we, we are good people. We're just many layered. We have a lot of layers. So we can be complicated, but I keep saying it, not difficult, complicated. Yeah, people have said to me, you're a bit much over the years. Yes, it's a good match. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I think that's really fascinating. I'll tell you a really funny anecdote. It's a short one. I... I was on a date years ago and the person went really well, good first date. At the end, we happened to mention our, our signs. I said, oh, I'm a Gemini. And they said to me, I wish you would have told me that at the beginning of this because I wouldn't be sitting here with <laughs> I often say to people, if we're talking and they say, oh, my, my wife or my girlfriend's a Gemini, I'll say, well, you have my sympathy. Because <laughs> we're not easy. But no. you know, you're never bored with a Gemini. No, no, we're we're not boring people. We can we can annoy people easily, just by the sheer energy, and the straightforwardness. And if my, my motto is, if I can bother somebody, I will. I have the devil in me that way, but <laughs> I do like to bother people. <laughs> are there are there people that Gemini's don't get along with? I mean, as well or work well with? Have you noticed that, or is, are we pretty compatible? Gemini's are the chameleon. We can be who you want us to be. And we're very good at that. You know, we, we're very good at sensing what the other person needs from us and supplying it. Mm. I've done that a million times in my life. We're good, usually good people readers. I'm a good people reader. I can, I can know somebody. I can shake your hand and I can know you. 
but that that comes from years of being on the stage too, going out to a cold audience and having to know them immediately. Yeah. 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 I'm a good people reader. Makes me wonder what sign KT is. She's a cancer. She's a cancer. That seems good. Like I think because my sister was a cancer, I think we don't we get along. We are, we're okay with cancers. We we get along ridiculously well. Not without our arguments, of course, when you're writing, of course, with anybody, you know, you're going to have your little artistic differences. But basically, we, boy, oh, boy, we just, we just really get each other. We're cut from the same cloth. Um, we have big discussions. You know, from, from the time we started to write together, we did two songs remotely, where we had a lunch, and she asked me to write a tune with her. She said, uh, I want to get out of my comfort zone. So she sent me um, Overload. Have you heard the album? Yeah, I love the album. Okay, Overload. And she said, here's a riff. Do you want to do this? I said, sure, sure. Let's write together because I was a fan and she was a fan. And we didn't know it, but we got together. Um, and I sent her back my bass part and what I thought it should be vocally and da-da-da-da-da. And she called me up and she said, oh, you finished it. I said, I, I didn't finish it. I sent you back my take on it. She said, no, you finished it. And it's great. I went, okay. So she liked what I did. So then I sent her good kind of hot. And I only did half of it because I didn't want to finish it again. So I sent her and I said, okay, I've gone up to here and I've left this. Then we knew something was happening and I invited her to the house. I said, let's come over, stay a few days. My instincts were telling me, you know, and my instincts are very good. Let's see what we got. So she stayed and we sat on the carpet in the front room, which is my creation room. And we started to talk and we started to write. I had my bass, she had a guitar, we had everything spread out in front of us. And it just began. Amazing. We did, uh, we finished Good Kind of Hot first. I said, okay, up to here. Now this is up to you. And she went, okay. And then she did her bit. And I and I this is when I knew it was working really good. We're sitting on the carpet and I said, uh, oh, I said, take me to the edge of pleasure, giving myself a pat on the back. What a good lyric. And she went, oh, this thing is too big to measure. I went <laughs> and I said, KT, I have to tell you the truth about something. I said, usually if I write with somebody, I have to wait for them to catch up. And she said, not with me. So we were snap. We were snap. And then the first song we wrote, just to finish the train of thought. Uh, so that one was done. And then she said, let's start one from scratch. I said, good. Now we're sitting here together. First song we wrote, sitting there from scratch on the carpet, barefoot, you know, comfortable. And she said, um, what's one of the big lessons you learned in your childhood? I said, easy, easy. I said, um, I was at a pajama party. I was about 10, 10 or 11 all girls, of course. And um, I decided at about midnight, because you don't sleep at a pajama party, you do anything else but sleep. And I decided to that play a game, have fun and play a game. So I said, let's play the truth game. And my idea was to make it informative and interesting. And each person say a truth to the next person. And within five minutes, it got ugly. It got ugly. And I went, whoa, that's telling the truth. That's what happens. And so we came up with truth is my weapon. 
Mm. And uh, that became our first song. And and my son, who produced the album, Richard uh, L.R. Tucky, he happened to be over making coffee. I don't know why he was there, but he was there. And he came running. He was a, I live in a longhouse, very old Elizabethan manor house. He came running down to the front room and he went, what was that? And we said, it just a song we just saw. And he went, wow. So he heard it from the other room. And we started. And I'm just going to switch on the Southern Night now that the sun is gone. Just a sec. There we go. Okay. So we started. That was the beginning. And it ended up as a kind of the way that we wrote. We would just, you know, yep, yep, yep. And all of a sudden we'd hit on a subject that we both had strong opinions on. And we'd start to talk about it. And we're both artists, writers. So we're antennas up, your antennas up. And even as we were discussing a particular subject in our heads, we're making note, you know? She might say something and I go, or I might say something, she'd go, and all of a sudden we would go, guitars up and we'd start. And every song, and people are reacting the same all over the world to this album, it's affecting people big time, in tears, a lot of people, because it's been born from that naked place in your heart and soul where you don't want to show people that, but we did. You know, we actually did. We start, We began to trust each other. We went the distance. There was some stuff I didn't want to go there, some stuff she didn't want to go there, but we did. Um, one of my favorite ones, and she's gone on the record of saying this too, was uh, If I Come Home. Mm. And we were talking about childhood demons and how we all, even no matter how great our families were, we all have things to survive. We all have hurts and baggage that we carry with us. And sometimes it's hard to let go of the rage or the hurt or the blame. And we had a big, big discussion about it. And she was telling me her deepest and darkest and I was telling her mine. And she was actually getting very into it, this discussion. And I said, KT, we... We have to write this song. And she went, no. And she got up and walked out of the room. I went, oh, interesting. And then she came back to the room. <laughs> and she sat down and she went, okay, let's write it. So she had to make a decision. Ah. That distance. And she says, the last interview I watched her do, that it was the most difficult emotional song for her to write. Um, we did go the distance. And when we were done with it, we put it down on a little recording, you know, a little basic little demo, so we know what we did. And I always remember this, it was cute. She went, hmm, I went, what's the matter? She went, I love the song. I hate that you made me write it with you. I said, okay. But now, now in her interviews, she says, and I'm so pleased about that. I mean, she's taught me a million things. I'm just talking about this particular song now that she's so glad I made her do the exercise of putting this deep thing that you're holding in you like poison out there on the table, looking at it and giving it the words. You know, she said it really helped her to come to terms with it. And um, I'm glad that I could do that for her. You know, so we we traded lessons. I'm a, I'm an in the fire burn girl. There's the fire. I'll go right through it and burn and come out the other side. That's me. 
I don't avoid it. She observes the fire. So I pulled her into the fire, showed her how to burn like if I come home. And she, in turn, pulled me out of the fire and showed me I didn't have to burn all the time. So we really, we connected. That's all. We connected. You know, we 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 have a very, very good friendship. We're, we're, we're both feisty. We're both complicated. We're both the same kind of artists. We are, we are cut from the same cloth, I think, you know. Uh, I see a lot of similarities in us. We both had a lot of the same journey to get through. Um, yeah, we just get each other. I respect her. She respects me. I was a fan of hers. I didn't know she was a fan of mine. Then I found out, you know. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. And we've written a very special journey, emotional journey album. That's what I, that's what I see this album as, an emotional journey. It's a beautiful album. It's very, it's very affecting and very stirring. And I can't stop listening to it. I love it so much. And I, I wonder when you guys started writing and you realized that moment you described where it was like, oh my God, this is totally working. Did you feel a kind of internal glee? Like, holy cow, we're crushing this. This is amazing. We knew something was happening. We didn't dare examine it too deep in case it became manufactured. But we were both aware that, I mean, I was leaning to her naturally, like you do. I respect her. She was leaning to me. She respects me. And there was this thing in the middle that became what we did together. Um, for instance, everybody, everybody has mentioned the blend of the voices. Okay. Every single person I've talked to. And then we were at breakfast TV a couple of weeks ago, Katie and I, we had a little private moment. And I said, I've been doing so many interviews. I said, I got to ask you a question and I want your truth answer. She said, well, how can I do anything but that with you? You know, I said, okay. I said, Dom, did you know while we were putting the vocals down that we were blending like we were? She said, nope. I said, me neither. I didn't even hear it. Now I can hear it, but I'm so glad because had we heard it again, it might've become manufactured. Oh, we're blending. No, we didn't even, we're, we're writing a song or we're singing it. We didn't think about it. But apparently the blend, my husband thinks the blend is like, like the Everly Brothers. He said, it's just brilliant. And no, no, we didn't know that. But the same as we knew something was happening. But as we kept getting further into it, you know, I, she asked me, okay, Overload was going to be a track that I wrote with her on her album. Okay. So then we did Good Kind of Hot too, And then I'm, I'm thinking to myself, there's something, something going on here. And I was reluctant to push it. So I'm booked to be at the studio with her the next day. I'm staying overnight. We're going to do Overload. And I kept trying to think, how can I, how can I make this be more than what it is? Because it is something more. And I knew it. I think she knew it too. Well, sure she did. She called me the night that night before I was supposed to go in the next day and stay overnight. And we record over two days. And she called me on the phone. She said, I'm canceling you tomorrow at the studio. I said, oh, why? Why? She said, because this is not what this is. You're not supposed to be on one track on my album. So I said, good for you. I said, okay, I agree. 
She said, we should be doing an EP. I said, no, we should be doing an album. And so that's how that conversation happened. So she got it herself, but I'm glad that it came from her because she was the one that approached me and said, let's do a remote, you know, a track together and asked me to be on a thing. I said, sure, no problem. I've been a fan anyway. So yeah, so it had to come from her. Mm -hmm. I, I had seen it, but the fact that she said it was even better, you know, same as when she asked Richard, she loves Richard, my son, and he was on the first three tracks we put down. And we were talking as the tracks were getting more and more done. And then you're getting to that serious stage where everything goes on the track properly, you know? Um, and I said, do you want Richard to put some electric on this where he thinks it's needed? She said, you tell Richard to take those tracks and do whatever he thinks is necessary. In fact, I am officially asking Richard to produce the album. And me as a mother, inside I was going, but outside I went, <laughs> we're on the Skype, I went, oh, okay. I When we're done, I'll give him a call, see if he wants to do it, I'm dying. So then I said, oh, there's somebody at the door, I gotta go, I'll call you back, I lied. I actually, I actually admitted it to her last time I saw her. I said, there was nobody at the door. I couldn't wait to tell Richard. And again, I didn't push Richard on her. That wasn't from me. So she wanted that. It's much better that way. You know, the mother pushing her son, you know, you shouldn't do that. No, right. absolutely. Yeah. So it's all good. So we, we have a great friendship. Um, love her dearly. It was, th this album was meant Happen. Excuse me, you know what I'm looking for? That door around the corner, down the staircase of my mind. Wallpaper peeling off the walls, a damp spot on the floor. But I ignore that because I We can powder our noses Neurosis celebrated in the ladies' room
won't say a word I'll watch you operating But I'll forget what I heard inside the ladies' room Ladies' room Ladies' room Open for business One thing I've noticed about getting older is it's harder to make friends intimately. It's hard to bring people into your into your fold. Um, I don't know if it's a tr- I don't know if it's trust. I think people just get into their lives. But you guys, you've made a beautiful, beautiful album. But even more importantly, is you've developed this beautiful friendship, and so um, that must have been just as surprising as anything else. And and really, one of the great. I know it sounds a little bit sentimental but it really is like the real great gift of this whole collaboration is that you've got this beautiful lifelong friendship now i know i and we we don't even know how that happened um i guess it was a matter of trusting each other respecting each other and allowing ourselves to be emotionally naked with each other which we did you know we were talking on skype the other day just before it all hit the public the album so it's ready to come out and, you know, we're Skyping. And I said, I said, I always remember this more. I said, KT, how did this happen? She went, I don't know. <laughs> so it was just organic. You know, we just, we've, we've been through a lot of the same things. We understand each other. We've had a lot of the same fights in life. You know, um, we find each other interesting. We find each other inspiring. And the the main thing is, Nobody drove the car. I have to say that. Nobody drove. Mm. I could. I have seniority. You know, I do. She's 25 years younger than me. But I did not do that. And she did not do that. We let our artistry drive the car. And we followed it. We just followed it, you know. In, very interesting. Very interesting. Wow. Collaboration is a tricky, a tricky thing. I imagine over the years you've, collaborated with people where it wasn't as easy as this and it was like oh this is not going to work um how did you get out of those situations <laughs> and um like did like what do you do when a collaboration uh is something that isn't working like how do you handle that you have to say so you have to right yes there's no other way um i have written with people before and i've just kind of gone okay this is good but it's not great and i don't think it's working i have said that same thing as when you're writing a song by yourself and you're writing away and you're getting to a certain place and you go, no, no, this is not working. But as an artist, you have to have that instinct and you have to follow it. KT and I were working from the first second. Just like I, you know, I did two albums with my son so far and him and I, we just, we, we both work together very well. KT adores him. And when we write together, Richard and I, we, we write differently than Katie and I. That's a different thing. A lot of times he gives me a riff and I see what I can get out of it because I'm good with sticking my bass on it and finding this melody. I'm very good at BVs because I'm Motown, you know, and right. Motown was 
RBVs. Um, yeah, I've, I've written with a few people that it wasn't really, wasn't really great. And it, it just kind of naturally grinds to a halt. Yeah. But you have to be honest about it. Yeah. And I like what you said about the idea of you're also, when you write with yourself, you're collaborating with yourself. And sometimes that doesn't work. And so you, as an artist, you develop the instincts of I'm going down a path here. This is not going to be fruitful. That's a really interesting observation where you have to like sort of officiate yourself with, from yourself. <laughs> yeah, but you do have to do that. Um, I'm I'm able to even watch. Let's say somebody taped my show. I can watch my show and step outside of it and go yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Wow. To this day, after 59 years in the business, I will find an improvement. So I can step outside it. When you're writing, you are in the ozone. You're in the ozone. And your antenna's up and you're listening, you know, and give me a line, give me a chord, give me a this, and you know when, and it just flows. It just flows. And if it's not working, you know, pretty quickly. You do. Because you, so you do you have to work too hard. It should be a artistic feeling rather than working. I see. So you won't follow an idea, a bad idea, too long down the path. You won't. You won't get too far into the weeds. No, I will. I'm, and I don't do it much because I'm pretty careful before I even begin to write. But if I do start something, and it doesn't work, I'm oh, let's say. Maybe a half an hour in. Huh. I'll just go now. Nope. In the basket. It's like if you write a poem and you start, you say, no. So sometimes I'm writing, often I'm writing something, and it's not a song, it's a poem, because you know I've got two poetry books that I'm working on my third now. Some a lot of times you'll be doing a lyric for a song and I think this is not a it's not a song. This is a poetry. And sometimes I've written a poem that turns into a song which is interesting. Scars was like that from the album. Uh, I had only four lines written on a bit of paper. And Katie had gone to make some tea or something. We were having a writing day. And I was just on the piano playing this melody to these first four lines. You don't get through life without any scars, no matter how tough you might think you are. And just four lines, I was just playing this minor kind of thing. And she didn't say anything. She just came in and she sat down and she picked up a guitar and she played her version of what she'd heard me play. It wasn't the same, but it was the same. So she took that out of that and made it into scars. So interesting, very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So wow. she was inspired by whatever that was I was doing. It wasn't anything that I was fooling around. She went mm, and she got it and down she went and there we had a song. So, and then I followed her. So it's interesting. Just like when we were putting the vocals down, you'll love this. Um, we had the tracks done and then she had to go back to California. And I said, why don't, why don't we do the following since you're there and I'm here to make it easy. Why don't I sing all the songs all the way through and then you hear and pick out what you want to do. She said, perfect. So I did all the songs. Then she comes over and we're in the studio putting all the vocals down. And I give her her credit on this. Very good. She said to me, uh, let's take Shine a Light. She went, okay, this first verse, 
tears. I said, why? She said, because it is. And she's right, because I'm in tears every time I hear it. It's my life. Because mm -hmm. I had to fight to win. I did. And now this movie can begin. So she did that with all this stuff. You know, she'd say, you're doing this. I'd say, why? Because it's your line. I think she treated it like, from what I could see what she was doing, that if I owned a line or a lyric, had to be mine. And if she thought she had a better way of interpreting it, that she did it. So I had no problem with whatever, whatever she chose to do and take me out. I had no problem with any of it because it worked. It worked. She was able to find our souls in what we sang and who should sing what. So as she said, that was a good idea. You doing everything, you know, and certain things I just went, oh, that, like um, overload. She made me do all the verses. I said, why? She said, because they're yours. They're yours. I will say something after you. So she got that together. So she she she's good at that. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to be good at. That's I could see that going sideways. Yes, absolutely. So I I got I learned to trust her very 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 quickly. Like in Shine a Light, the one light where I come in on the second, the one line, and I said, "Don't call it luck. That's not its name." We had a long discussion about that, and I said, "I hate it when people say, weren't you lucky?'" That means you didn't have talent. I said, if you know, yes, you need luck, but if you don't got talent, all the luck in the world, you're not going to make it. So when that line came in the song, she went, that's your line. I said, yes, it is. And I attacked it. Don't call it luck. You know? <laughs> your your voice sounds so remarkable. Um, and it, made me, it makes me think about self-preservation because um, some people, you know, their voices tend to not not age well yeah um i've i've referenced axel rose as an example of someone who really seems like they sort of vandalized their their um, tremendous vocal talent um which is which is you know sad have you always been good at sort of at self-preservation at taking care of yourself it's i mean i don't think you've ever sounded any better this is just an incredible vocal turn I, I am singing better than ever. Um, I, I agree with that and touch wood. I don't want to question it or jinx it. I'm touching uh, wood over here too, Susie. Yeah, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I think I did so much, you know, when I was young, I was 14 when I began and we were, we were working the clubs and you did five sets a night, 45 minutes on 50. That's a lot of singing. Oh. And I did 99.9% .9 of the vocals. So I went through the phases where you, you go horse or this or that. And I learned, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. So I've learned for a long time what my voice can and can't do. I've learned how to scream without hurting my throat. Um, I make sure I get my sleep. Um, I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. And I do a, from my theater days, I do a 20-minute vocal warm-up before every show. And it's a, it's a serious warm-up. And yes, I've never sung better. Everybody is saying that. So whatever I've done through the years, I guess it's I guess it's worked. And you know, don't forget, I remember last time I recorded with Mike Chapman. That was quite a few years ago now. I think it was uh, in the spotlight. And I was singing a song. Now he's recorded me since the beginning. And he stopped the tape. And he said, Susie, I love what life has done to your voice. Now that's a strange way to put it. Yeah, but maybe maybe that's the right way to put it. It hasn't taken it down. 
It's given it a texture. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, in those days, in the clubs, up until 1990, people were smoking in the clubs. Even if you yeah. weren't smoking, you were inhaling, right? Inhaling, yeah. <laughs> would you feel that after a show? Would you? Would you? Would it feel different? Like feel a heaviness in the throat because of all the smoke in the yeah. air? Yeah, you could feel that. But I was just always aware that I had to. I mean, this is my instrument, you know. Yeah. I take care of my hands. I take care of my body. I was just out in the gym today, even during COVID, when we weren't doing gigs. I did my show in my front room. I don't mean I rehearsed my show. I mean, I did my show. I did it. Even taking the break in the middle with a towel around my neck, 15 minute break, coming back in. So when I finally, my first gig, so I did one gig in September in 220 in Denmark, just under the wire. And my next gig was in April, two, so that was 221, 222 at the Royal Albert Hall after not working all that time. And my husband said, you never would have known it that you hadn't been on the stage every night. It's because I did that. I put the work in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll always put the work in. Yeah. You got to keep yourself to a certain level vocally and a certain level body-wise. And this, your chops have to remain good, you know? So the only way to do that is to rehearse. I'm the rehearsal queen. So you've always been disciplined. Yes. Yeah. Ridiculous ridiculously so really and determined i'm a determined girl if i'm going over there i'm going over there right it's, it's not up for negotiation i'm going over there that's that's my nature i'm going there kt she cracked me up she said i've got an idea for we were doing a video clip for uh overload the other day and uh she said i have a good idea for new merchandise for you susie I said, what? I knew something was coming. She said, T-shirt, when dealing with Susie Quattro, just say yes. <laughs> I do. I got to pay her back on that one, actually. I do. I got to find something to get her back on that. That was, But it was good. And then the other thing she did was we were uh, taking, I was, I was being a Gemini and being in the way and the shoot and all that and walking out and when are we going to start and all that, Susie? Go sit down. We'll call you when you need it. Tripping over things, banging into the camera. You know how Gemini's can be. So finally, I did go in the room and Katie was sitting with me and my son was down the other end of the table. And I started to, I was going to get up and again, see if they were ready for me. And Katie went. And I turned to Richard, my son. I said, did you see what she did to me? And Richard said, yes. And it worked. Because I didn't get out of the chair. <laughs> So that's that's my KT from now on. And I told it to my tour manager, and he went, yeah. I told it to my band, they went, yeah. Like so. Told it to my husband, he went, yeah. Like, what's the beginning? This is what you have to do to you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it a very Gemini thing to have to, that you had to bounce that off of so many people? I think so. <laughs> Apparently, I, I can drive people mad, but not not in a nasty way, just because I'm, how does Katie put it? I'm always on. Mm -hmm. Did you always, you're, you're always on. I guess I am. I guess I am. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm, I totally get that. Me too. Can't help it. You want to be, you, you know, if you don't like it, then, be, then go with somebody else. That's my favorite saying to my husband. You don't like it, find somebody else. <laughs> 
I like hearing that you that you put the reps and I like the, your discipline. I think that you that a lot of people who listen to the show are young artists of all different kinds. It's an important thing. You got to shoot the free throws in the backyard. Otherwise, come game time, you miss all of them. Right. Sure. And I always have said this, you know, people say, oh, what advice would you give to young people starting out? Um, not just women, both, but if I'm going to speak to women in general, they're going to say to women, because I don't do gender really, but you have to sometimes, um, especially nowadays it's politically correct not to do gender. But if if you're a, a, a girl and you're thinking about getting into the business, I would, if she's going to play an instrument, my first words to her would be, play it. Don't play at it. Play it. Mm-hmm. We got to be really good at what we do. And I'm an, I'm an excellent bass player. I say it myself because I worked at it. I do a five and a half minute solo that would challenge most bass players every show. So that didn't come by luck. That came through hard work, through calluses, you know, <laughs> arms like wrestlers, you know. So I would say to the girl, you got to be even better than the guys. You just have to be. So play it. Um, also be prepared to give up a lot of the normal things in life, dating, girlfriends, free time. It's a one-way street. It's a one-way street to the top. Oh, that's a good line. That is a good line. Did, did the bass guitar just feel instantly at like a, like a, um, comfortable for you because I, I remember picking one up and thinking like wow this is so unwieldy i was i was 14 uh you know just it just as a lark but did it feel to you like an instant kind of connection with that instrument yeah it was instantaneous um my first instrument was bongo drums then i went to classical piano where i still sit down with my books and read and write and i play you know so i'm, I'm a good i have a very good feel on piano and I'm a trained percussionist too. So I was in a school orchestra in the percussion section first chair, which means I did the best on the rudiment test. So the boys got pissed off at that, but you might as well start as you mean to go on. So um, when I was 14, we started the band with my sisters and everybody chose an instrument and I just didn't speak up quick enough. And so I said, hey, 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 what am I playing? And my sister, Patty, said, you're playing bass. I said, okay, I didn't care. And my dad gave me a 1957 Fender Precision. Hmm. That was my first bass. I did not question if there was a smaller bass or a lighter bass, you know, or a shorter neck. All I know was he gave me this bass, and that's what I learned. And it was instantaneous. When I put that on and started to play, it was like I was born with a bass in my hand. That's what everybody says. You see me when I play. It's very, very natural. So on stage, that's my instrument. I'm a bass player in my heart. I never went from guitar and failed that and went to bass. I started on bass. Do you still hear Detroit in the music that you write? Is that still in the DNA of of the creative process? In fact, if you listen to The Devil in Me, that's so Detroit, that album. Yeah. It's a song called Motor City Riders. I mean, how much Detroit can you get? But um, yeah, now when I'm with KT, we're we're in a we're in a different frame. But bass lines and backing vocals. Richard always says that to me. He says, "You don't even know you do it." And I said, "Do what?" 
He said, it's one of your best things. I said, what? He said, I give you a riff and out comes this bass line and this BVs and this melody. You don't even, and you put the commerciality into it. I guess that's being Motown and being weaned on Motown. So I don't, I'm not aware I do that, but I guess I do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jameson was my favorite bass player. He's the best. Who else did you like in, in pop music? Who else did you think was a, a, a bass player that you really were like, oh, that's that's pretty solid? Uh, well, Elvis was my first inspiration at five and a half. Um, Otis Redding, big, big for me. Big, big, big. Jameson, the bass player. Uh, Bob Dylan for lyrics. Mm. And Billie Holiday for phrasing. I liked the way she would go behind the beat and you didn't know she's going to catch up. And then at the end of the measure, she caught up. I found that very interesting. Mm. But I mean, you know, my dad was a musician, so I've had music since as far back as I can remember. So I've got a lot of wide ranging tastes, but rock is where I sit comfortably. That's, I think it was again, Mike Chapman, he said on my documentary, that nobody, what did he say? Nobody sounds as authentic during rock and roll as me. And he also said that every girl, this is all from Mike, I'm remembering my documentary now. He said, every girl that came after me owes something to me. So I'm not saying that, this is Mike Chapman. This is his right. observation, his observation on Susie Quattro. It's a beautiful observation and hard to argue with. Um, being trained in percussion, the bass, I'm a non-musician, so this is a non-musician question. The bass is a percussive instrument still, it, right? It is. Um, in fact, that's what I always say. I am percussive minded because I play drums. Piano is a percussive instrument and the bass is a percussive instrument. Mm. So everything that I play well is percussive. That's the way I think. When we used to do um, family trips with five kids, we didn't fly. We always drove too expensive. And uh, in the car, we would always break into songs and because everybody in the family plays loads of instruments and, you know, we're just a musical family. And my dad would always be in the front going boom, to do, to do, to do. And I used to think that's the best part, dad. While we're all singing the other bits, he was doing that. I used to love that. It made sense to me. So I, I am a bass player in my soul. When you hear uh, new music, because it seems you really keep up with what's going on out there. When you hear stuff, do you can you listen as a fan or do you deconstruct a song when you hear it for the first time and think, oh, the bass is doing that, the voice is doing that? I do both. Um, I, I deconstruct if I like what I'm hearing. Mm, oh, interesting. Yeah. Then I want to deconstruct. I want to see, ah, aha. And I always am listening to what goes where and who did what, and especially like, the, the modern way of writing now is you find one line, one commercial line to sing, and it goes through the whole song. The way of songwriting has changed a lot. Mm. It has. So I'm getting, I'm trying to get into that, Richard, and I've done a few uh, movie tracks where it's been one line and the beats underneath it, 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 it works well. It's, it's a different way of approaching a song, you know, but um, yeah, I've got a, I've got a big book there with, I'm always writing down lines and I'll say so. I, I speak poetically a lot. If I'm sitting with somebody creative, they will write down many times what I say. I don't know why. I'm from Detroit, for God's sake. That's not poetic. 
Did, did you, are you one of those people, I wonder if this is also a Gemini thing, where are you good at receiving compliments or, or did it make you uncomfortable? And do you trust the praise that comes your way? That's a, that's a double edge. Um, I didn't grow up with looking good in my arsenal. Okay, so I never was connected to looks whatsoever. So if somebody says to me, don't you look pretty, I blush. Because mm. I don't have anything to deal with that. Um, I'm blushing now, thinking about it. Um, I didn't even know I looked good until I met my ex-husband. And he said, you're very pretty. And I remember going, I am? <laughs> so it wasn't in my thing. But if you give me compliments on my craft that I've worked for from day one, I've become a good bass player. I've become a good writer. I've become a good singer. And I'm really good on stage. I can take that compliment. Not too much of it, but I can simply say, thank you very much. Thank you very much. But if you, but if I come out on the other hand, you say, oh, you look great, then I'm, then I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, I'll tell you a funny story to illustrate that. I was doing a, a big, big TV show for Prince Charles. He's now King Charles, Prince Charles. And uh, I had to dress up in this little basque with the fishnet tights and the shoes and sing to a parrot. It was one of these variety show things. And everybody went out of their character to raise money for the children's charity. Big TV show. So I'm dressed not like myself and doing not a song I would normally do. So at the end of the show, he's coming and they're filming. He's coming around to each person to shake their hand and say, thank you for giving your time for free for this charity and the filming it. This went on the end of the TV show. He comes to me and uh, he said something about, was it difficult? And I said, yes, because I said, I've never tap danced before. And, and then, then he moved on and he got about two people down and he turned back in this very loud stage whisper. And he said, and you have the best legs since Tina Turner. Here's what Whoa. I did. Here's what I did. I went, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the camera so that's what I mean I went like I couldn't just say thank you I went like a little girl that never been given a compliment before so that, that's what I'm trying to say yeah I can off the stage I'm I can take the compliment but then again somebody caught me on camera I can't it was in Australia I came off the stage ready to go back on for the encore people going nuts, you know, scream, scream, scream. I came off, Susie Quattro came off the stage. And then little Susie, I was like this. And then I went and went back out. And I saw this change in me. Wow. Because before I go on stage every night, as I'm waiting to go on, the drums are going and they're clapping and they're screaming. I'm thinking to myself, I hope they like me tonight. Mm. So this is double, double thing. And that is very Gemini. I, I would imagine. I mean, with a theater background, you, you're aware of the fact that when you go on stage, there's a persona being projected, whether it's your name or it's not your name. Um, it's a care. It's a character, right? That there has to be a projection of, because you can't be like that in your real life all the time, right? So it's, it's crazy. You go crazy. It's, 
I, I, I do separate. I do. Se I have little Susie from Detroit and Susie Quattro. And I am both. But they both have their place. They both have their place. I don't let one feed into the other. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but I actually have an ego room on the third floor of my house. I did not know that. And you have to go up two flights of stairs down a very rickety corridor. It's It sounds like an analogy, but it's a true story. And you get to this big, heavy wooden door. And I had a plaque made and it says, ego room, mind your head. And you go in and the, and it's one big room full of everything, everything I've ever done. And there's the book. The first thing you see is a big red book on the table. And it says, this is your life from the TV show. And there's clothes down here. There's guitars. Every place you look, there's posters, there's pictures, there's DVDs, there's CDs, scrapbooks, everything. I can watch. I can go up there, watch anything I want, awards, everything. Um, and then the important thing is, and it's, it's the quietest room in the house, which is very strange. And then when you come out of that room, when you've spent your time up there, you shut the door. That's how I keep saying I enjoy it, then I come out and I shut the door. That's brilliant. What a what a brilliant survival technique because I imagine that for some artists, um, and I don't know who they are, they don't have that separation and they confuse, the wires get confused where they think that they are that person all the time. And that seems really dangerous. A lot of times they end up dead, those people. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, thank God, I always say, thank God I didn't have looking great in my armory. Thank God I didn't grow up feeling that way because I became a pinup, you know? So many men come up to me and say, you were on my wall and the, you know, the winking, you know, yeah, okay, I get it. And if I had been that frame of mind where I was thinking I looked great and became a pinup, what a mess I would be. So I, I don't even take it serious. I just go, I just say, thank you. You know, and it's just, just, it doesn't mean anything. It's nice, but it doesn't mean anything. They're loving whatever image I put out there, you know? Yeah, you you learned early on the importance of also keeping ego in check, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You have to go through it. Um, when I had my first number one, I, I think it was maybe 48 hours or something, I went through a bit of an ego trip. And I remember doing it, thinking, oh, wow, wow, everybody's calling me, champagne's arriving, people are taking my picture, I got mobbed at the pub, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then I remember waking up maybe third day, after, after hitting number one. And I was sitting at the breakfast table with my ex-husband. He's my boyfriend then. And he just looked at me and he said, welcome back. <laughs> wow. He was right. I had been on a little journey, but I'm glad I did that because I remember waking up on the, like the third morning and I looked at her and I went, it's you. <laughs> it's it's you're no different, you know. I kind of did that to myself, and it just went. But you should, you should allow yourself to go through it, just so you recognize it, you know. But you did see people not survive it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I know, I know. It seems like for young artists, there should almost be like a uh, 
of course they have to take on like, here's how to keep yourself in check when, when this happens to you. Well, the way I see it, and I, and I mean this, um, is I have been allowed to do something I love for 59 years now. I've been allowed to be successful at it. It doesn't mean I'm better than somebody else. That that doesn't come in. I'm not better than you because I've because I become famous. Why does it make me better than you? I've been allowed to do this, to be successful at my chosen profession. So I don't treat it like it makes me special. I, I take it very seriously and I take my job seriously that if there's one person in that audience not smiling, that's my fault. Mm-hmm. And I got to fix it. Yeah. So I'm a real old fashioned corny performer that way. Old school. My job is to entertain you and I will entertain you. That's not corny. That's just a pro. I guess. <laughs> that's, just a pro. <laughs> that's a pro. I'm curious before this project came along, you've been, you've been making these great albums in the last couple of years. You've been, you've been busy were you at work on something else when the KT project came along that you just put aside and went, oh, I'll get to that later? No, that came along when we were both, we had space. Ah. Yeah, we just had space. I wasn't looking for anything. She wasn't looking for anything. You know, like I said, we just met up and she wanted me to do one track with her. No, I didn't put anything on the back burner. Um, the devil in me had to come out and be done. So we we were still writing and stuff and fooling around all during that time. And then we're still writing. And then she had her album had to come out. So we had to put our recording of it on the back burner. Uh, but we were, we were working on it all the time. And then finally, we were both contractually free and able to go in and make the album, which is what we did. Are you guys going to tour this? Is that is that going to happen? Or is that like a... It might. I yeah. mean, you know, it'd be stupid not to. I'd love to. We'd, that'd be great. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be great. It means you get to spend more time with KT. Yeah. <laughs> you've made a remarkable album. You've made you've made a, you've a career of remarkable albums, but this one is just so unexpected and so wonderful. I remember I got the press release for it. And I went, wait, this sounds like it could be awesome. And I listened <laughs> and I went, eh, well, it is. Um, it, <laughs> it is. Uh, but just congratulations on, on a new friendship. That's the most important thing, I think. It is. It is. We have become very close. It's uh, very special. I just love her. Yeah. We we love each other and we trust each other. You know, that's the good thing about it. So her, her favorite track on the album is illusion. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's my husband's favorite too. And I think mine possibly could be face to face, but it's hard to pick a favorite. Well, to me, it's the album closer. It's, it's the the album closer is my favorite. Well, ladies' room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares if Mary's a whore? <laughs> what a way to end an album, Susie. Oh, it's fun, isn't it? It's so fun. Fun, and we we had a big discussion about the ladies' room. That's where that came from. Everything happens in the ladies' room. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a rare glimpse for this fella. <laughs> It's a, it's a yeah any guy that wants to know what goes on in the ladies room when everybody disappears and now you know <laughs> it's yeah it's such a great album uh well listen my fellow gemini you're the best i really appreciate this thank you very much yeah thank you for your time and uh 
and best of luck moving forward. Okay. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you, Gemini. We got along really well. Just two Geminis having a conversation, hanging out, chatting about life. I loved that. I love her. Susie Quattro is the coolest. Her new album with KT Tunstall is remarkable. Get it. It's called Face to Face. You need this album in your life. It's so good. You've heard two songs. Well, one and a half. And uh, what do you think? Amazing, right? Pick it up. You won't be sorry. It is one of the very best of the year. SusieQuattro.com is where you need to go to find out what's going on with Susie. Drop in. See what's happening. By the way, I need a brag room. I really do. I have no idea what I'd put in it, but I should clear a room out just so I'm ready. You know? Who knows? The universe may bring something awesome, and uh, then I'll have a place for it. What about you? What's in your brag room? Do you have one? Should you get one? Do you have a lot of stuff that you want to put in it? Do you need two brag rooms? Let me know. Drop me a line on Twitter at Ember's Editor or on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. BombshellRadio.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with our radio station. And don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, Rate and review and tell every single person you know on this planet about our podcast. Actually, if you know anybody on other planets, tell them too. It'd be great to um, have our audience expand outside of this galaxy. Boy, imagine the ad space we'd sell if that happened. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Shine a Light on Me from the fabulous album Face to Face by Susie Quattro and KT Tunstall. Enjoy it. But before you do, hang on one second. My producer's flagging me down. What? What did I do? What did I screw up? Shine a light on me, right? No? What is it? Oh, shine a light. Okay. It's shine a light is the name of the song. I added the on me. I got excited. You know, who can blame me? They do say it in the song. They just don't say it in the title. Either way, uh, enjoy it. Shine a light by KT Tunstall and Susie Quattro right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. So opportunity knocked on my door. I chose to let it in. I picked my backbone off the floor. Because I had to fight to win. Now this movie can begin You say I'm down to earth from what you see You say I'm normal, but what does that mean? Shine a light on me, shine a light on me Shine a light on me, oh let me be There's a 
Do you really want to know the end?